Welcome to In the Isles, the movie and TV podcast that is back from being on strike. Because rail workers go on strike when they get paid an average of £34,000. We get paid nothing. Nothing. So, you know, that's difficult salary negotiation when you get nothing. You're negotiating up from nothing. But let's let's be desperate for a second. Give us an onslaught of emails begging to be a Patreon, perhaps, to this podcast. And we'll raise a Patreon for it. And you can pay us. And we will deliver content on time, consistently, uh, without exception. Um, I'm glad that you said that we went on strike because I had a, a massive preamble about it being my fault that we've missed weeks. But we'll just skip past that <laughs> conveniently. <laughs> We're back after an extended hiatus. I'm glad. I'm glad. It's nice to see you, James. Your hair has grown. You no longer look yeah. like Jason Statham. Well, I didn't know I ever did, but okay. Probably harder than him, Not if anything. Uh, yeah. how, how are you settling in to 2023? Um, settling into 2023, okay. In fact, on the 1st of January, spent the night at a spa hotel. Ooh. And yeah, spent four hours with the spa facilities access. No additional <laughs> massages or anything else. Uh, it, was re- it, was very, it was very good. It was very good. Until... Six people came in, three couples. They were just sort of just talking too loud. How can you not realize that you're the only people talking that loud? But then they, they moved out into the outside infinity pool area and just sort of calmed down after that. I think they realized that they were just being loutish, intoxicated by the tranquility, perhaps calm them down. Yeah, uh, it's not the sort of venue that you are uh, that you get loud, really, is it? That just just wind your neck in if, you, if you're going to be loud. Don't go to a spa. It's not yeah. one of four. Yeah. If you're gonna it was they were just talking, but the volume level was too loud. Just bring just turn the volume down and keep talking, that'll be fine. But how are you doing? I'm all right, yeah. Uh I've got some similar complaints about today's main review in terms of volumes and levels, but we'll get onto it. Uh weird precursor of what's to come. I'm good. I just want to ask you, it's not a 2023 problem. I think it's been ever-growing for the last eight months, but James, do you find that as you grow older, you talk to yourself more or less or not at all? More, I think. More. Yes. Do you mean out loud? Yes, but like almost you're unaware of it being out loud and it becomes a bit troubling. (laughs) Um, I think so, yeah, because I... I cycle to work. I'm I'm saving the world, protecting the environment. I cycle to work, and I will openly speak out loud at normal volume when I'm on my bike. Yeah. Get out of the way! Because I think I can, because I think I can get away with it because I'm talking. If people hear me talking, I've just gone right past them, and I'm never <laughs> going to see them again. So whatever, I'll just fully have conversations with myself. Sometimes there'll be someone behind me, but I'll realise after I've already just like you know, had a therapy session with myself out loud and that can feel a bit, mm. but I've got my balaclava on, so it's fine. Yes, I do talk for the full, like, 45 minutes sometimes out loud to myself. Well, that's infinitely made me feel better. Um, <laughs> no, I, I, I do the same thing. It, it occurred to me the other day, so we we said, oh, there's stuff in, there's stuff in the fridge. We can make what's in the fridge. Can we be bothered? even though it's just bang it in the oven, done. No, we can't. Let's go to the chippy. Problem solved. So I went to the chippy, and as I turned the corner, I thought, oh, this looks very dark. Are they open for business? And I thought, no, they're not. And I turned back, and I walked back, and I went out loud, hang on a minute, what the shit's going on here? In the middle of the street, and then walked back to see if there was any signage indicating why they were closed. And I thought, that's quite alarming. Like that. I had no sort of awareness as to whether anyone was in the vicinity at all. And me just saying, what the shit's going on here? Probably is a bit like, is he all right? Is he okay? <laughs> I don't know. So, and it is is not the one and only occasion, which is why I asked. But uh, it seems we're not in the minority. This, if anything, it's 100% hit ratio on people speaking out loud based on this podcast alone. So I would imagine it's quite a prevalent problem. So we're all right. Yeah, I think we're okay. It does happen. Good, 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 good. 
So we're back. We're back. We're, we're, let's get down to business. I've got a new section, which I think I've, I've sporadically introduced inadvertently through the episodes of last year. Um, but James, do you want to kick us off in terms yes. of what you've been watching? I'll kick you off. First, the first is the last of us. Nice. HBO Max original, based on the popular video game. Just the one popular video game. There was there was no second game. I... I'm going to eat you alive after this review for that comment alone. Carry on. <laughs> yeah, first game. I played it two and a half times. I tried to do it on the hardest difficulty, but gave up. So two and a half times I played that game. My memory is hazy. I played it when it first came out. Didn't get the remaster. Not going to get the remake. I'm not buying it three times. Come on. Come on. I watched some clips of the game this week to refresh my memory and realised I don't remember much of this game at all, which is to say I'm not bothered about what they changed in this series. I'm not bothered. I'll get back to that. What's it all about? It's not set in Canada, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> It's a zombie fungus outbreak. Happens. Wow. Fast forward 20 years. Joel, a veteran survivor, is tasked with protect- with protecting Ellie, who's immune. Knowing the story... Fucking hell, mate. Or- oh, right. Spoilers. Yeah. <laughs> Knowing the-, the story, the overall story, removes the drama in the broader sense but there is tension and excitement in the individual scenes like the car chase in episode one or the museum fight in episode two it's very well done the look of the program is so perfectly done i'm guessing they use well i'm certain they'll be using green screen and cgi for the look of the city in the the background the falling skyscrapers and stuff it all looks so perfect the shabby quarantine that that they're all in all looks brilliant they talk to one of the soldiers and the the strap on his vest it's all frayed off and you get this sense that none of this none of what they're doing it's not being renewed or maintained they're just living on the edge and the, the detail is is there and i really liked that a lot not sure on the ellie actor sorry um but pedro pascal it's good. All the actors are good. But what really stands out is is the design and how they've recreated the look of the game so well. Let me say this, back to the changes. I've seen some YouTubes and read some comments from people that are really obsessing over the changes. Why have they changed how Ellie is introduced? Why does nothing happen in the first hour? Oh, we don't care about Sarah. Nothing's going on. Don't they realise the impact this will have? Grow up, I'll say to that. Grow up. Changes don't make something bad. You have the original if you want no changes to something. It's an adaptation. Let it be its own thing and take it or leave it. One example, one key example, is the the way the fungus spreads in the game. It's by bites and by spores that float around in the air. And... In the episode two behind the episode video on YouTube, the creator of the the program, not Neil Druckmann, the other one from Chernobyl, he says that spores that float around, that works in a video game, but it doesn't make sense in the real world because why would they not just be out in the world if they're airborne? Why would they be contained to space? doesn't make sense. So they changed it to being like tendrils that are spread around and it's a huge organism that it's like a spider's web where it it can sense what's going on miles away that's interesting that's good it works it creates a good scene at the end of episode two but some people online fully reject that and think oh it's bad because it's different anyway i like it i'm glad that they're expanding on things like you have the half an hour with the daughter Episode three is going to be about Bill and Frank, I think the names are. I'm up for that. I'm up for seeing just more of the characters spending time in the world doing different things. Good, good. Uh, I had a chance to watch this too. I said I'd tell you a new one, so I will. The Last of Us Part 2, you missed out. You spoiled yourself rotten watching YouTube videos. It's brilliant. It's bleak. The first game is bleak. It's more bleakness. If anything, it kind of goes full throttle on the bleakness and uh, it's totally depressing if I'm honest but regardless 
a very, very fine game. I agree with everything that you said in terms of the, the toxic fandom and the uh, comments that we made. Just, just pipe down. Come on. It's a different medium. Stick to gaming if you're going to be that sort of person. Just don't get involved. Uh, Bella Ramsey, not related to Gordon Ramsey, which I thought she was. Um, so important that I point that out. Um, but everything is additive, I would say. that There is a scene, there's several scenes really, but one that really stuck with me, which again is adding to that sort of depressing vibe, but there's a scene of bodies being thrown into a furnace of sorts. Mm. And uh, I think that the magnitude of, of what is going on in this world is, is really amplified. In, in this series, and I'm I'm really, really keen to see what they do with it next. So, yes, can't speak highly of it enough. My missus was on board as well, which, again, was a testament to me saying, gaming is good. She don't agree with that. Uh, but still, yeah, The Last of Us, give it a go. One of, one of the most highly watched HBO premieres of all time as well. I didn't know that. Not to dwell on it for too long, but what's your take on the cold opens, the flashbacks, the first one in the 1960s and the the other one set in Jakarta when the outbreak begins? Is the second one in the second episode? Yes, which you haven't seen. First one, though, I I thought it was good in terms of exposition. I thought it was a really good way of preempting what was to come. So you're setting up all this, oh, what if, what if in terms of disease and Yada, yada, yada. It was a good sort of basis to build on for the series, and I thought it set it up quite well. And again, I don't really want to, having spent 20-odd hours with the game, I would like to see a bit of homage homage, in terms of scene-for-scene rip-offs or a nod to and from, but I don't want like-for-like. So the fact that that was different, I thought was good, and I thought, nice, that's what I wanted. So, yeah, more of that, please. You, I like them. I like them. Um, it just adds to the to the lore. It expands the world, especially in the second episode. You literally see what's happening in another country briefly. I think it works really well. Gives a bit of context, bit of variety. Yeah. Just as a slight side note, I saw a bit of clickbait this week. So John Hanna is one of the commenters within that opening scene. There's a really offensive in my opinion, to his career articles that's like, why you've seen this guy before? Come on. Yeah, it's that's John not Hannah. fair. <laughs> he's, yeah, 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 I'm going to say it. I think he's one of the great British TV actors. Yeah. <clears throat> and I didn't click it, but I can only imagine that they've just gone, he was in The Mummy, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he's in The Mummy. So, yeah, yeah. slightly disrespectful. But anyway... Spartacus, touch of cloth. Just for those two, he's a legend. Yeah. Oh, That's just two. Of a decades long career. So, so yeah. Given given that that's fallen out of favour because it's what coming up to ten years old, Touch of Cloth, one of the finest satirical detective dramas you will ever see, by none other than Charlie Brooker of Black Mirror yeah. Fame. So give it a go. Seek it out if you can watch it. I don't even know where it's available, but it's worth watch. And Britbox and everything's on Britbox now. Yeah. Anyway, what else have you been watching? I'll be brief because we've gone on for too long. My first thing was The Last of Us. My second is First Love (laughs) on Netflix. First Love. It's a Japanese drama. It is based on two Utada Hikaru songs. Utada Hikaru has been auto-corrected to Urad's Hillary on my notes app. The fir- first love is the first song from her debut album in 98, I think, and Hatsukoi from 2018. So two songs 20 years apart. And Hatsukoi means first love in Japanese. What's the story? Teenagers fall in love in high school. It's great. First love, they listen to first love, the song. Fast forward 20 years, there's been a zombie fungus outbreak. No, that's not what happens. It's 20 years later. What's become of them now? They're not together. Why? Even though they were the first love, they don't seem happy in life. They haven't really achieved the heights that you would really want to in life. Will they rediscover each other? Mm. Who knows? To the real world. Yeah. So our 
meinem, my wife, my wife's friend, she said they watched it three times. And this is a nine episode series. They watched it three times. And we said, that's stupid. Why would you watch something three times? What an idiot. We got to the end of the series in floods of tears and said, we need to watch this three times because it's a masterpiece. It is a masterpiece. It's a sentimental, romantic work, like The Notebook. You know, The Notebook with Ryan Gosling. Classic. Yeah, classic. So if you like The Notebook, watch this, even though it's nine hours long. It's not for everyone because it is so it's so sincere. And there was a review, I think, in The Guardian that sort of dismissed it as just being too like shiny and perfect and simple. And they compared it to the, you know, Con Mari, Marie Kondo, who's a Japanese woman that like tidies stuff up. Oh, yeah, yeah, I remember. It's for some that. reason compared it to that. It's like, oh, it's a drama made by Marie Kondo. It's like, okay, just don't really get that racist of anything but if you can open your heart you should enjoy it great cinematography design acting especially the female lead the adult version everyone wears blue or white or brown for reasons that sort of become clear by the end i should say the way it's structured is that the they flash back between 20 years ago and current events so in the current time that takes place over maybe like a year or so but throughout each episode, you're flashing back to 20 years in the past. And then eventually the past catches up with the present. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's that sort of structure to it. So that, that means there's, there's a lot going on. A lot, a lot of that. There's a lot going on. You know, a lot of information to take in. But it's very good. How is it constantly emotionally taxing or is it just come the end given your investment? No, it's not constantly emotionally taxing. It's mainly... It's not a comedy, but there's a lot of funny bits, nice bits and drama, but it's not emotionally taxing. It's just like a, any sort of romantic drama. It'll just give you those those big hits when it needs to. So come, come the, sorry. so come the end, it's more of a happy cry than a sad cry, a la notebook. I don't remember the notebook, but yeah, it's not, it's not, it's not a, um, it's not, emotionally taxing like it's incredibly sad it's just very romantic and moving not even heard of that so thank you for putting it on my radar that's first love on amazon right netflix it's fucking oh sworn three times already don't listen apologies netflix there we go still putting out good content apparently despite them going down the pan anything else 30 seconds there is a old program on YouTube made by The Onion called Sex House. It's 10 years old. It's 10 episodes. I'm five episodes deep. It's like 10 minutes per episode. And it's a, it's a parody of what the, what was the, what was it called on MTV that The Miz was in. It's a, it's a parody of reality TV shows from like 10, 15 years ago. And it's these like hot singles coming in to have sex in the sex house, but it's a complete disaster. And it's it's such a perfect satire in the sense that you can't actually tell the difference between reality, real, real reality TV and this satire. It's got 34 million views. I've never heard of it before. Sex house on YouTube. It's funny. That wasn't 30 seconds. I'm sorry. No, don't apologize. We've been away for so long that additional content, I'm sure, will be valued. So I wouldn't worry about it. I uh, was going to say, nice little stocking filler, but we're in January, not relevant anymore. Good, good. Daniel, what have you been watching? Teased it up at the top. New section, probably done it before. Dan's Crime Corner needs to do a jingle. We've not done it. We'll sort it out. Right, going to flip through these, hopefully, pretty quick. New year, new ITV content. They've relaunched. It's ITVX. Ooh, look at all these goodies coming in. Naturally, I gravitated to the crime drama, which was without sin with Vicky McClure of Line of Duty fame. She's a grieving mother. Her daughter died a few years before, and she has entered some sort of program that is aiming to bring closure to couples who or people who are grieving. And as part of that process, she meets the person who is accused, allegedly has killed her daughter. There's more to it than that. Turns out he maybe didn't. He's got a different agenda. And 
Yeah, probably say more would be to ruin it. Cut a long story short, because it's Dan's crime corner. I'm going to review three things. Good performances. The storyline is pretty much by the numbers, but there's some nice twists and turns, although I did actually see the twist coming. My, my partner didn't. That's not to say she is stupid. I just watched loads of these things. So there we go. It is worth your time. It's, it's solid enough, but not, you know, exceptional. So that's without sin. Next one, The Reunion. On ITVX, which has only landed in the last few weeks. Ewan Gruff, uh, how do you say his name actually? Mr. Stretchy, he's not called that from uh, Fantastic Four. You muted. Well, I can't find the mute button. Uh, you can find it. It's been three years. Uh, is it you? I want to say Ewan, but that doesn't seem right. It, it, I think there might be an F in it, like we fan, you fan us. Him who's had a Really tumultuous divorce with his ex-wife anyway. Him. Yeah. Should have been him in Multiverse of Madness. We'll just leave that there. Yeah. Yeah. A good Mr. Fantastic. Yep. Yeah, got that right. Pulled that out of the dredges of my mind. Uh yeah. Picturesque landscape, really ridiculous story. It gave up after two episodes. Thought not bothered. Even though it's nice to look at. I just watched too much of this stuff and there's not enough substance there. Bye. The reunion won't be catching up with you anytime soon. Mm, nice. Yeah. Next one, Happy Valley. It's yeah. great. It's yeah. great. I, I I don't know what else to say. Seven years off the air, Sarah Lancashire returns. Not not everyone's idea of of Hollywood royalty, but in the last few years, she went on to do Julia, which was a HBO series, and I watched one or two of them. She's brilliant in that. And I, I was going to say, Happy Valley the role that she was born to play. It's not, because I've seen her act in other things, and she's far and away above anything that Coronation Street give her. She's a really, really fine actress. But oh, I, will, I will warn anyone, if you've never seen Happy Valley, now is the time to jump in, because they do like a recap at the beginning. I've seen both seasons, or series, whatever you want to say, I was confused to all hell. I was like, I don't remember this. I don't remember that. It's been seven years. There's so much that went on in those two seasons. But this is everything I could have asked for and more so far. And we've only got three episodes, but there are scenes in this which are just... And I don't think it is a tick box, let's go for a BAFTA, but performance-wise, really, really standout stuff. And Sarah Lancashire is bringing her a game. And it's not just her... I think the return of Tommy Lee Royce, which I'm not going to go into, but he's a very evil character in this who has caused a lot of trouble in Sarah Lancashire, her family, who are pivotal in this storyline that's going on. Again, just watch it. It's great. I'm not going to say anymore. A return to TV form for the BBC, who have lacked output, in my opinion, over the last few months. Really, really good. Dan's Crime Corner. Can Get I give in you my corner. Get in my corner. And I'll beat I'll them. Some... <laughs> that's too violent. Um, I've got another one for you. I'll keep it short and sweet, if that's all right. It's not all right, is it? No, it's fine. Is it Dan's Action Alley? Mm, not quite. Dan's so, Fantasy Feast. No, no. Dan's, Dan's Sci-Fi Sofa. Dan's Financial Film First? Yep. Okay. So this is a program that nobody will have heard of. I almost guarantee it. It's called Exit. Look it up on IMDb. It's got an 8.2 and deservedly so. So there is a streaming service that's called Viaplay. And this has been going for years, since 2011. But it was introduced to the UK last November 2022. <laughs> I don't think I'm going to get a lot of people to jump on this. It... it <laughs> concentrates on European content. So if you're one of those people who gravitates towards Walter Presents on Channel 4 because they've got a European offering, do you looking at me blankly? Have you not heard of this? Not heard. I thought you were going to say Walt Disney. <laughs> no, I've not heard of that. Sorry. It's, it's really good, actually. So this Walter Presents, it, it's a service which curates like European drama and brings the best to UK TV, and it's all on Channel 4. Anyway, this isn't on Channel 4. It's on Viaplay, and what they do is specialise in sporting stuff. Not bothered about that at all. Uh, but they do a lot of Nordic content. 
And I don't know how I found out about this series because it was prior to subscribing, but this is about a bunch of financiers in, oh God, I'm going to get the country wrong now and get butchered. I think it's Sweden. Pretty sure it's Sweden. No, it's Norway. And the important thing to know is that this series has come about from a bunch of real-life interviews with people within the financial sector in Norway. And whilst that all sounds very dull and boring, and it's going to be numbers-orientated, it isn't. It's about the debauchery of the finance world. So you've spoke about industry before. We've spoke about succession. It's like an amalgamation of those two shows, but with no redeeming qualities. Like, everybody in it is a bastard beyond belief. They are evil. You hate them, but you can't help but watch. So there's, like, a guy in it, and and his wife is, like, in her 40s. She wants to get pregnant. He's constantly, like, saying, oh, yeah, it'll happen, it'll happen. It turns out he had a vasectomy years and years ago, and he's just playing around, but actually thinks it's funny. That's, like, the sort of people who are the focal point of this. And, and I think it says a lot that the opening scene is them doing drugs like all this series is them doing drugs constantly getting high and getting pissed and in the first scene there's a guy with an erection it shows the erection his mates having sex with a prostitute in the other room and he is banging on the door begging him to let him in and join in to the point where he gets so frustrated that he gets a knife his mate is having sex with this woman against the door and he stabs the prostitute in the eye uh, in the ear sorry it, it's full on horrendous behavior but i do feel like it's not glamorizing it and saying this is okay this is fine is one of the most addictive things that i've watched in ages i loved every second of it i finished it now both seasons exit on via play are we still in crime corner it's not supposed to be criminal activity oh right okay but it's, it's more, more, of, more degenerate. Of just, it's more just degenerate financial drama yeah right yeah Sounds good that you've really sold me on that. That does sound just something different, you know, something different. Exactly. He said, watching The Last of Us. <laughs> Still worth it. Anyway, that summarizes what we've been watching, but we've been gone for so long, James. Surely the world of film and TV news is rife with things to discuss. We haven't got that long, though. So one or two stories, yeah? Yeah. It's the real thing. It is now real, real news, news. Renowned deep sea explorer Jim Cameron has done it again, even though it's his it's his part time side gig. He's, according to the Mail Online, he's made history as the only director to have three films. Top $2 billion at the worldwide box office after Avatar 2, The Way of Water. It's the sixth highest grossing film of all time. And this is after people said, didn't they? They said, oh, it's slow. Box office is slow. And he said, oh, it needs to make, I think he said it needs, it needs to make $2 billion, or $1.5 billion, to be profitable. And there were naysayers. He had his doubters and he's, he's done it again. He's only gone and done it again at the last check that's been made, according to the Mail Online. 2.024 B dollars against a box office, against a budget of between 350 mil and 460 mil. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Avatar 1 got 2.923 B dollars. Wow. Presumably the other one being Titanic that's in those yes, three. That's right. Two point one nine five. He's he's done it. He's done it. I've, I've got to say, cynical hat on. Does a lot of this come from inflated prices for three D, perhaps? Possibly. Yes. Only because anecdotal, but I don't know about you. This has surpassed Top Gun now. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like we rode a wave of. Top Gun hype, even after its release, for almost eight months of people just saying how fantastic it was. Repeat visits. And yet this has blown it out of the water already after a little over than a month. Yeah. And it just feels like maybe that additional fee for the mm-hmm. 3D may have played into it. 
perhaps? Because I, I just don't know that many people who were that hot on anticipating this. I certainly wasn't, to be honest. Yeah, I wasn't. There's that whole idea of Avatar having no cultural impact. It took 37 days for Avatar 2 to get to $2 billion, and yeah, Top Gun has not made $2 billion, has it? How much has it made? According to Wikipedia, $1.489, billion. Uh, oh, surprising. 25% more. I think, yeah, I think it's the, in my, my analysis, based on nothing, I think you're right. It's the, it's the ticket price, the 3D ticket price. But I think Avatar has a, it's a more universal appeal. Yeah. Because like people like us that we might like Top Gun Maverick, we're probably going to watch Avatar as well because we'll watch the big films. But Avatar, in its favour, it's also blue alien action, and it's more, it's more family. It's really a film about family. Whereas Top Gun Maverick, which is no slouch of a film. It's it's Tom Cruise in, in planes, mm. and it does that as well as it possibly can. But that's that's more just more narrow than Avatar, which is designed to be appealing to everyone. Yeah, it's probably a more of an all-encompassing box office venture for for a lot of people than Top Gun. Uh, having said that, because we're going to lead on to what your thoughts on Avatar were in a moment, the second one, I made my misses. I forced her. Hogtied her down to a chair and mm. made her watch Top Gun Maverick because she bloody hates Tom Cruise. Mm. And begrudgingly, she said at the end, with a tear just just dro- dropping slowly down her face, she went, "That was amazing. That was such a good film." Yeah, and I I burst out crying. <laughs> and the fact that a she loved it and b again I was swept away with the emotion of it is so good. I really yeah. underestimated. I think it came five or six in my list. Your number one, one, yeah. I, th- I think you that is that is fair. Uh, I don't think I quite complimented you on how fair it was because it, it's such a feel good film. When she said it was good, was that when Lady Gaga was still singing the the end credits song? No, no, I'd, I'd preempted it before the music really kicked in and I said, so go on then. What do you think? And she was like, that was, that was, that was so good. That was really, really good. I'm glad you made me watch that. So it wasn't Lady Gaga cannot be attributed with uh, the missus's enjoyment of that film. Right. It's a very small, that having seen the film five times, that's a very small window that you've picked there to ask her because the music hits very quickly after the kiss at the end. Voice doesn't know, right? Oh no. Um, I don't remember after just saying I've watched it times. <laughs> um, but the thing with the first time when Lady Gaga sings, nothing against Lady, nothing against our Queen Lady Gaga. I was like, oh, we've got why? What's Lady Gaga doing in this film? Second, third, fourth, and fifth time, I was like, Lady Gaga, she's sing, she's going to take us home. This is brilliant. <laughs> just gets better every time. Do you want a little before we go on to the Avatar thing? Slight aside again. Did you know, I'm sure everyone knows this, I only found it out to be fact recently, Poker Face, yeah? Yep. You listen to that song, sounds like she's saying something quite offensive during the poker face. It's come out now that she is actually saying F her face, and she did that on purpose to see if it got through. And some radio shows have actually... uh, leaked it out because they know what game she's playing so uh i don't know why i brought that up <laughs> she's such a rebel she's such a rebel she's that such is. she's a maverick she's a maverick that's what she is full circle full circle yeah. anyway james avatar we're in real news but you've seen it we've not even spoke about it one of the hottest films of the year tell me what did you think i think it was a perfectly serviceable action sci-fi film it's an excellent uh fictional nature documentary in the second act you can't deny the quality of the special effects it's unbelievable unbelievable but stories lacking dialogues lacking characters are lacking and it's a shame because all that that's that what i've just said that's kind of the consensus and it's boring how true that is. It's boring and disappointing that when you watch it, it's like, oh, yeah, the consensus is, is completely accurate. 
Mm. I'm impressed, but do I really care about any of these people? Jake Sully, played by Sam Worthington, who he, he's got two sons, right? And I'd forgotten about the other one after like two thirds. And I was having to think out what, well, number one, I don't know what they're called. Don't know what any of the kids are called. But I wasn't even sure, like, hang on a minute, hang on a minute. So he's got two sons but an adopted daughter. But then is there another one? Is there another kid? I don't know. And, you know, that's how that's how murky the characters are. Yeah. Could have done with a bit of diversity. It is, a, is, it is an all-blue cast. <laughs> Took a while for that thinking. Apologies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, weirdly, not gone out and rushed to watch this film, but I, I do feel like I've missed the boat, perhaps. And uh, I want to be part of the conversation. And when I say that, it's going to be too late. But I'll probably watch it at some point. There you go. Additional little uh, review that you didn't see coming. Avatar 2. It's all right. Yeah, pretty much. Next piece of news. James, very curious on your thoughts. Anton Fuqua. I don't know where to say his name. Is that that right? Is that fair? I don't know how to say it. I did hear that he actually um, he mispronounces his own name to sound rude just to see if it'll get past the radio sensors, and it has. Right. In that case, Anton Fokker, he's directing a Michael Jackson biopic. Hmm. Fair enough. Uh, I, I think if anybody was deserved of a biopic, ignoring more recent news throughout the years, Michael Jackson was certainly uh, certainly one of them. I'm very curious as to how this plays out. The sensitivity, what is mentioned, what is a what is omitted. Don't know. Your thoughts, James. Do you want to see this? Do you not? Do you care? What do you think? I had only heard of this when you'd said it. Just let me scan this article. Yeah, please provide the context that I have failed to deliver. <laughs> it's going to be called Michael, for one, just to add some mm. detail. So don't believe there's another... IMDb film that you'll, you'll get it confused with because nothing's just called Michael. So mm. good choice. Right. Okay. I've read the Guardian take on it. It will start production this year. It'll be made in collaboration with the Singers Estate. That's a key detail. Mm. That is a key detail. And it'll, yeah, it's going to be called Michael. And in this article, they do mention that it, it comes off, off the back of other successful biopics that have come out. There was the Elvis one, the Whitney Houston one. I don't know if that was a success or not. There's going to be one about Leonard Bernstein and Amy Winehouse. It's it's red hot. Musical biopics are red hot. So you've got to think, mm, maybe that's the motivation. As for, as for the, actually making this, how the hell are they going to get an actor to play this character without having prosthetics on that look that just looks like they're having a laugh about <laughs> him. I don't mean that as a joke. It's just like how can you you ha- you've got to, you've got to have something on him. Yeah. And it would just look it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, and I mean, I think I... it's uh, the oh. the the studio Lionsgate, according to the Hollywood Reporter, Studio Lionsgate has claimed the film with address will address all aspects of Jackson's life. Deadline has stated it will deal squarely with more difficult issues. But if this is if this is two hours long, so there's so much so much went on in his life. Because it's not like oh we'll just sort of skip through his childhood until he was famous. I mean I'm not seen I can't think of a recent biopic that I've seen. But it's not like you can just skip through his early life and go, right, well, he's... Then then, then Thriller, first half, first 50 minutes, skip, 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 skip. Then Thriller came out, and oh, he's a big star. From six to death, there's so much going on. Mm. I don't... I just don't see how you can put that in one film. Deal squarely with the, with the more difficult issues. You There's not going to be enough time to deal with the difficult stuff properly you can because there was a whole two-part miniseries leaving neverland that was just about the allegations so i don't I, I don't see how you can do a film of this because it's it's the stories his image is too well known he's too 
outlandish of a human being to like put on screen. You'd have to do it in a way that they did. You know that Bob Dylan documentary where they got different actors to play Bob Dylan? Never watched it, but I know which one you're on about, yeah. Including Kate Blanchett. They'd never... Something experimental like that would be better than just, oh, let's just do two hours of like 45 years of absolute insanity. Mm. That's I mean, my take. I think you, you're failing to recognise two things, James. One, trilogy. Trilogy material all over it. Two, what was two? Shit. They want to make money. Is that your second point? They want to make money no matter what. Well, of course they do. Yeah. Hence trilogy. Um, <laughs> but no, the, there was another point. That, oh, the average length of a film is now three and a half hours long. Okay. So, you know, I've exaggerated that, but you know what I mean. They're getting longer. They're getting longer. So maybe this is an excuse to go, come on, it's Michael Jackson. Of course it's four hours and 55 minutes. Um, but yeah, no, I, I completely see where you're coming from. I think this is uh, a tough ask, I think, to condense into any sort of conventional running time of a film. But um, I'll watch it. I'll watch it when it comes out, no doubt. But like you said, who's going to play him? That's a weird one. Do you know who's coming to mind for me? Bruno Mars. Be... That's fair. That's fair. No, it was actually Bill Skarsgård. But if they kind right. of like changed his height quite a bit. Um, any any natural con- right. contenders for you? Bills is he the one that was in Barbarian? Yes, and it, and right, I'm not okay. referring to him it's in it. God. <laughs> Based on that, perfect. Yeah, they could. Uh, I think Jamie Fox would probably do it. Serious? Yeah. All right. Because I've been I've been on I've been on a Jamie Fox rabbit hole on YouTube. He's so he's ridiculously talented. I never knew. I knew he could sing because of Ray, but he can just sing on the spot and improvise songs. But he can also t- he's he's very talented. Maybe he could do it. Maybe this film. Sorry, we're going on for too long. It said it's going to cover all aspects of his life, which makes me think they're going to go through his whole life, which is obviously impossible. But if they just did, if they just did Thriller to. 1992, which was the Oprah Winfrey interview, the beginning of the end. That could just be a film by itself, which mm. is ten years. I think I think it lends itself more to a TV series, if I'm honest. Thinking about it, and it is a shame because obviously we've we've seen the like meteoric rise of TV. It's it's so comparable to film now in terms of quality. Probably is where it sits best, but they made the choice. It is what it is. So uh, I guess we'll see what this cinematic. Presentation of Michael Jackson's life looks like within due course. So, speaking of cinematic uh, presentations, we've got one that we've watched this week that we watched on the small screen. So, not quite cinematic. Was it bad or was it a thriller? Hello, I'd like to order an opinion, please. This film is new, fresh point of view. Call me sit back. This is a fact. We in the aisles, here are some aisles. Thoughts in sync. Tell you what to think. I'll listen to you, but please don't rap again. This week's main review is White Noise. They don't look scared in the Crown Victoria. Yeah, they're laughing. These guys aren't laughing. Where? In the country square. What does it matter what they're doing in other cars? I want to know how scared I should be. Jack, as long as the children are here, we're safe. May the days be aimless, let the seasons drift. Do not advance the action according to a plan. In signal processing, white noise is a random signal having equal intensity at different frequencies, giving it a constant power spectral density. The term is used, with this or similar meanings, in many scientific and technical disciplines, including physics, acoustical engineering, telecommunications, and statistical forecasting. White noise refers to a statistical model for signals and signal sources, rather than to any specific signal. White noise draws its name from white light, although light that appears white generally does not have a flat power spectral density over the visible band. 
I was going to say, what's... In discrete that... time, white oh. noise is a discrete signal whose samples are regarded as a... You can just fade out, just fade it out. As a sequence of serially uncorrelated <laughs> random variables with zero mean and finite variance. A single relight, just fade out. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was going to say, what's that got to do with the price of Netflix? Apt question. James, I'm going to read the plot synopsis, but can I go first? Yes. <laughs> College professor Jack Gladney and his family's comfortable suburban life is upended when a nearby chemical leak causes the airborne toxic event. I've done inverted commas with my fingers. Twat. Releasing a noxious black cloud of the region that forces the gladly... Gladney family to evacuate. Sorry, butchered all that. Whatever. Right. I watched this a few hours ago. That's how ill-prepared. I've, I've literally been given weeks to watch this film and I've only just watched it. So Noah Baumbach is a director that I am aware of, but I have not followed him closely. If you know who he is, because you're a, a cinephile, he's more recently known for A Marriage Story. And I, I don't know about you, I just was put off by the subject matter of that film. Divorce, misery, not interested. I never watched it. I know everyone like goes on about it, but did you bother? So you put off by that, but you watch 10 hours of crime content every week of your life? That's what I mean. My parents <laughs> didn't even get divorced, but I'm not impacted by murder. That's like a something completely disconnected from me. Anyway, fair, okay. fair, fair That's comment. That's fine. No comment. <laughs> So, did you, have you watched it, Marriage Story? Yeah, I watched it. I liked it a Good. lot. Mar- yeah, it, I liked it. Yeah. Anyway, well, I was going to ask you your opinions, but we're, we're running out of time. Squid in the Whale is a film that I have seen of his that I remember, and I, and I really liked it. But I watched it when it was released, and I think I was far too young to actually really get what that was about. Because, again, that's about divorce, and I guess <laughs> not even remembering any of, any of it. You could see it as a companion piece to Marriage Story. Yada, yada. Steve Sisu, The Life Aquatic with Bill Murray. I, I thought Wes Anderson directed that. I Yeah, so did I. No, this guy. I rented that from Blockbuster, turned it off after 20 minutes. Thought it was crap. Um. Anyway, this is kind of occupying the same sort of space in that it's an exaggerated, larger-than-life premise that is bordering on the absurd. And it's about this family who are effectively dealing with a catastrophic event in the world. A black cloud, so to speak. I've told you the plot synopsis. Don't have to go over it again. Expectations were really middling for this. It's completely divided critics, and it's sat currently at 5.1 on IMDb, which is hardly a reason to rush out and watch it. So I had to watch it, for this podcast, I would not have bothered otherwise. And we, we were two in and fro in, weren't we? And we're like, oh, should we do the pale blue eye? I watched 20 minutes of that, and I was like, this is boring as well. Anyway, oh, I've shown my hand. So jump to the chase. I think this lends itself, because it's, it's based on a book, to being on the written page rather than on the screen, personally. I've not read it, so I might be completely wrong, but the dialogue is really difficult to gel with at times. Characters speak in a very heightened way, as if they're all sort of philosophical intellects at points. And and while some of that might be thought-provoking in terms of what they're actually saying, the delivery of it took me out of the experience. So I'd kind of checked out in the beginning, and I, I... the caveat to everything that I'm going to say, I was doing other things whilst this was on the whole time. So I'm. this is why I asked to go first, because if I'm completely wrong, I want you to tell me. So the, the main sticking point for me was even, even though I had other things on and I was doing other things, I was still knowing what in essence was going on. I read the Wikipedia article afterwards in terms of the plot and I was like, this is a blended family, is it? He's been married four times. Some of the kids are his and some are his wives. I didn't get a sense of any of that at all. And maybe that was put across, but I just thought that that was not very clearly communicated. And even in terms of like the very beginning, I thought, I don't really know what's going on here, if I'm honest. 
And all of that led to me just feeling very disconnected from it. And the, there is sort of this inherent desire, I think, for you to feel disconnected in this because it mirrors some of what the characters are going through. And it is probably, to its credit, although I can't substantiate it because it's not what I felt, a very multi-layered film that I haven't got to grips with. Some of that is evident throughout what you see in the film. So there's there's a lot of points in it where conversations are going on and there are other conversations at the same time. And some are more turned up in terms of the volume as others, but it's still like not would you not what you would expect from a normal film. Like you can hear them in the background. And it's almost like knowing that you're going, should I be listening to this main conversation or should I listen to the other? Like there's a lot going on. And that, that is purposeful again. But I don't know. Maybe that's meant to add to this sort of like disorientation and it speaks to the uncertainty and the anxiety uh, around the characters and what they come to first later on in the film. But I was just not on board for it, if I'm honest. Um, I'll cut it short now because I've gone on for too long. It's not all bad. I think there's some visual stuff in here that's really interesting, like shots of, say, for example, the supermarket. This is set in the 80s and in some respects, has a bit of Stranger Things vibes to it, to a, a degree. I'm not saying, like, don't, like, I love Stranger Things, you'll love this, that's not a guarantee. But they, they present the supermarket, and it's all colourful, and it's all very visually interesting, and I thought that was sort of like a weird trip down memory lane with the nostalgia of, like, all the old logos and stuff for, like, Lucky Charms or Pringles or whatever it may be. But if that's the best thing that I can say about the film, then I guess we're on sort of shaky ground. Um, I, I just think that there were entire sections of this film that were redundant for me and I'm conflicted because this cost $80 million to make like for a film that is this sort of story you don't see money thrown at this sort of thing and the fact that no one's speaking about this film and it's got a 5.1 rate and you're not going to see a lot more of this in the future which I think is a shame because it, experiments like this i think are good for film i'm not saying this this works for me but i would like to see more films like this but i think the fact that this is kind of bombed is not a good measure of things to come so boiled down to its bones it's an ecological existential pondering which didn't really amount to anything for me personally and i didn't find it that engaging that's my thoughts james tell me if i'm wrong i just said two things number one Life Aquatic with Steve Zizel was directed by Wes Anderson. What have I seen on IMDb? It was written by Wes Anderson and Noah Bamback. That's, that's all written. Comes from. Right. Only because the, the names appeared like on top of each other. White Noise has got 5.7, not 5.1. Just chatting absolute rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> Are you sure? I've looked it up today. You're right, it is 5.7. Put your glasses on. I'm sorry, I'm not. I'm being a bit harsh. No, it's true. I'd rather you correct me. That's the, we're here to give factual information. Facts. If I you can't present, do that, you, you are presenting alternative facts. I made notes on my phone, and they look longer on the screen. They looks long, but now that I'm on my computer, I've only got two short paragraphs. I don't think you're wrong. Let me cut through the white noise. I enjoyed this. I enjoyed it. Does it have a coherent plot, realistic characters, an emotional climax, a good rhythm? No, no, it doesn't. But the witty dialogue, Adam Driver's comic skills, Don Cheadle's timing, the sudden weirdness that kept my attention, all that worked. It clicked for me. I found it amusing that Adam Driver's character was in, spoilers, in denial about his radiation poisoning for so long. And when the airborne toxic event hits, it, there's like a quick, quick cuts from his his wife and his his kids packing things up quickly, and it cuts back to Adam Driver hurriedly pack, uh, clearing the plates from the dinner table. And the 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 line, "You thought Hitler would save you." That's just a funny line. I laughed. And he's he's talking. I think Don Cheadle's talking about talking to Adam Driver about how he felt that Hitler would, the study of Hitler would save his academic career the lecture face-off where they deliver simultaneous lectures about elvis and hitler but what what was that about and again don Cheadle saying i want to do to elvis what you did with hitler they, they were it was just, just a lot of it's so dense 
with wit that really clicked with me. But I can understand why it's got 5.7 on IMDb. And I'm not saying I get it. I'm not saying, oh, I understand the postmodernism of this film. When I've read the book, I've not read the book. I'm just saying it clicked. It made me chuckle. I did watch it in about four sittings, I should say. Too long, two hours and 16 minutes. But I liked the timeless production. I think it, I didn't pick up that it was set in the 80s, but I thought it was in this sort of like time, timeless else world setting. I probably got that wrong as well. To yeah, be fair. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, the rating is the rating's fair because it's inaccessible. It's pretentious. It's too long for a comedy, if you can even call it a comedy. But it made me smirk enough. I liked the design of it enough that I was into it. Yeah, that's it. And that that's good. That that's what I was looking for because I do think it is one of those films where, and I might have mentioned it on this podcast before, and I, I'm not even putting it in the same league. The completely opposite film. The Matrix, I hated when I watched it at the cinema. I thought it was one of the worst films that I'd ever seen. Yeah, exactly. Rented it, thought it was the best thing I'd ever seen. So I, I'm open to being wrong, and I do think it's one of those things where, regardless of the fact that we, we've got a podcast and we're here to do a job that we don't get paid for, that you've already mentioned, um, I should give it as due and I should give it my full attention, and I can't say I did, and I think I'm looking for validation of me being wrong not necessarily wrong because it is whatever you want it to be not everything clicks for everyone and it might just be that i watch this again and it doesn't work for me but i did find myself at points in the film going oh this this is really interesting i wish i'd actually not decided to dick about on my phone at the same time and, and give it that that immersive sort of uh full-on experience um so yeah, conflicted, and I, I will admit to, to some things that you said. Like some of the dialogue is really good. There's a bit about um, the wife in this Gre- Greta Gerwig. She is taking pills, uh, nondescript. Uh, we'll leave it at that. You'll find out if you watch the film. And Adam Driver accuses her of swallowing this pill, and she's like, "Oh, I just needed." Oh, what, what did she say? I made a note of it. What was it? That's just saliva. I didn't know what to do with. And I just thought that was a great line. So it's not like it's completely devoid of witty dialogue or moments. And visually, like I said, there are some things that you will like. But anyway, let's cut to the chase because Zoom is telling us we've only five minutes. James, would you recommend White Noise with Michael yes. Keaton from 2005? Yes to that. Definitely yes to that. <laughs> Daniel, would you recommend White Noise 2022 starring Adam Driver? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. Would you rather watch actual white noise static on a TV? I mean, sometimes I listen to that to go to sleep. So, yeah. Okay. Damning. That is a damning review. (laughs) Should we go into spoilers? Yes. Bruce Willis. Real name is Tyler Durden. Sank at the end. Oh, thanks a lot. Challenging film to summarise. I mean, good luck. I don't know what went on. Yeah. I, I I was watching it, and how does it start off? Because it's in three... It's, it's, it's in three... The first half is about his academic life, isn't it? About Hitler studies and death studies and uh, Elvis studies. And then suddenly there's a train accident and there's the airborne toxic event stuff. And then that just suddenly ends, and then it becomes about this his wife is, is cheating on him with Mr. Grey. And it was only, so there's three distinct parts. I think the book is in three distinct parts. And it was only when I got to the third part that I realised, oh, it's not supposed to be coherent. It doesn't have a flow. It's just part one. Now is part two. Now is part three. And that's it. But what basically happens is that Jack Gladney is a professor <laughs> of Hitler studies, a field that he founded. And he's in that, blended family situation. A train accident causes a massive cloud of airborne toxic event. There's a massive evacuation. Jack, while he's refilling his car, he's inadvertently exposed to the gas cloud and he's told that he's going to die because of that, but he doesn't know when. And that feeds into his fear of death that goes on. And Babette, his wife, it's revealed that she's been cheating on him with her drug 
supplier, Mr. Gray. Mr. Gray's tracked down by Jack. Jack shoots him but doesn't kill him. Babette and uh, Jack like, reconcile in a hospital run by German atheist nuns and then there's a dance number at the end in the supermarket. But all of that just seems irrelevant to to me, to the richness of the of the dialogue and how much fun it is to hear people say the lines that I think it's, it's pure gold, some of it. You thought Hitler would save you is the best, but there's a lot of things like that in throughout the whole film, in my opinion. Mm. And I, I suppose this isn't me stretching to find meaning or, or attach myself to it and say, oh, maybe it is worth merit. But now that I think about it, like in a, in a post-pandemic world, I, I, I struggle to see how people would look at this, even though it's not been that favourable prior to a pandemic. Like the, there's instant mirroring that you can apply in terms of what happens in this film in term, uh, and what we actually went through. And I think some of that, like questioning your mortality in that circumstance and, and what they experience does resonate to an extent. I just, like I say, if we were to go through that, I think this would land even more of a lead balloon than it than it currently does for me. So at least mm. it's got that on its side. Sorry, that was just a slight thing that occurred to me before. Um, but yeah, I just... I, I'm gonna I'm gonna put it out there, James. I, I think I probably said it to an extent without completely uh burying my soul, but I just didn't don't think I understood it, if I'm honest. Yeah. I'm not sure I did either, but I did enjoy it. The fir- the first section at least I know that, that that's a very it's a very niche area. It's a sat it's a satire of academic life. Mm. Which I thought was funny, but that's such a that's such a niche area. But yeah, the rest of it, I mean, don't really know what's going on. It seems like it's clearer in the book what it's about, which I'm tempted to read, but I never will. And so we... again, yeah, we'll call it quits in a minute. Um, but it is far more ambitious than a lot of stuff that you see. Like that, that is one thing that I will give it. Like it's trying to do more than that's a standard funny. film. That's true because you said I I watched the Pale Blue Eye and this, and you said which one should I watch, and I said the White Noise just based on the fact that it it, it offers more to discuss. Yeah, and it did. Like if it, if it was a film of complete no merit, we wouldn't have spoke about it for so long. So there's something there. Cool. Any other spoilery chat? I think if we both failed to yeah. understand what happened, in the yeah, movie, yeah, really... I didn't I didn't like the dance number at the end. Apparently, in the book, the 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 sort of mist, the magical draw of the supermarket is is discussed, and in the film, they've just turned that into it's a dance number in the supermarket. But I just I dislike seeing films that end with dance numbers. Weirdly, my favorite bit of the entire okay. thing, um, and it, again, the whole supermarket angle, me being very fresh to this and not really having much of a take on it. I was like, oh, there's something in here about capitalism. I don't know what my reading of that is and how does this play into everyone's anxiety around what's going on. I don't know. So multi-layered, we've said it, don't know. But for me, I enjoyed that bit. Even though I wasn't quite sure, like, was it actually slow-mo or was it just people being slow? Couldn't work that out. Thought that was a neat trick of the eye, not trick of the mind. I didn't notice that, not going to lie. I think I was getting chocolate from the kitchen at that point. <laughs> Saving Grace, at least, it's throughout the end credits. It doesn't seem to be integral to the film. It's just a nice little added bonus at the end. So, anyway. Yeah. Do you prefer Fat Adam Driver or Standard Weight Adam Driver? Rip, well, I prefer Ripped Adam Driver from The Last Jedi. Yeah. I can all swole. What about you? Um, I have no opinion either way because I love everybody equally, no matter. <laughs> no, I'm just, I was just trying to make you feel shit. Um, <laughs> I prefer him. For me. I did. Yeah. I prefer him rips as well. Let's be honest. Right, let's wrap it up. So, not not the best start, if you ask me, to a new year. Could have been better. Um, but hopefully, greater things on the horizon. What are we? Oh, why do I always struggle with this bit? What are we reviewing next week? Next episode. Tar. 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 You're welcome. Tar. You're welcome. Tar. You're welcome. Yeah, you're welcome. Tar. <laughs> oh, uh, for anyone, you know, the uninitiated, that is a uh, northern co- colloquialism for thanks. So 
Hence my response. And the repetition thereafter. Thank you very much for listening. If you wish to support this podcast, uh, continue to email us like you did in our absence and say, where are you? It's text messages, more than emails um, from family and friends. But we do have an audience (laughs) that is ever growing. And we've made uh, certain comments throughout the year that we are going to do a few things this year which will grow it even more so. So we need your support. Leave us a five-star review and rating on iTunes. Follow us on Instagram. All the usual kerfuffle. Thank you very much. James, anything to add to that? Nope. Right, let's... Okay. Um, James, what's your preferred method of ingesting white noise? It's obviously through your ears, isn't it? Yeah. AirPod Pro, noise cancellation, YouTube, 20-hour white noise video. <laughs> sat in the garage, naked, not naked, just sat in the garage on the concrete. Alternative non-Apple products are available for a fraction of the price. See you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.